It counts as a win, but it sure didn't look pretty. The Nets take on the Wizards on Sunday in an afternoon game that looked like it was going to be a pretty easy W. It was anything but. Nets struggled all kinds of ways from the field. Mikhail Bridges, Spencer did with Cam Johnson. We're going to talk about what went right in this game, what went wrong in this game, ultimately how the Nets came away with a W. We're going to get into all of that, but first, the theme music. You are Locked On Nets, your daily Brooklyn Nets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome back to the Locked On Nets podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team, the Brooklyn Nets, every single day. I am Doug Norrie, riding solo here for a podcast, post-game podcast, after Wizards Nets in Barclays Sunday afternoon, little uh, in the middle of football Sunday basketball game. We'll always take it. We always like a little more sports, more sports than less as far as we're concerned. Uh, and this was a game that you thought was going to be a pretty easy W from for the Nets all around, right? Like we went into this one, Nets nice favorites going in at home. We know the Wizards are basically trying to tank the season. They were two and five coming in, seemed like an almost improbable two and five. Nets are four and four coming into the game. Uh, they've maybe played a little bit above their heads, all things considered, or maybe like you know outpaced expectations, considering that like they've dealt with a lot of injuries and this has been a fairly difficult. Uh, you know, opening part of the season in terms of the schedule, they have on um, Nets have on the season right around you know neutral point differential. Wizards coming in with the worst, uh, second worst uh, point differential in the NBA. So you say to yourself, "Oh, going to be an easy win. We're going to get in and out of here on a Sunday afternoon." Uh, and by all account, it started off that way, right? We get into this game, and the Nets jump out to an early lead. They're winning thirty to fifteen at halftime. At one point, they had a seventeen point lead against a team that is, again, even with the Nets injuries, you feel like you have just like the more talented team top to bottom, and that's even without Ben Simmons. That's even without Cam Thomas, right? These guys not even in the game, but, you know, you get Cam Johnson back, you get old friend Nick Claxton back, and you think, okay, we're out to an early lead. This is the Wizards we're talking about, and this is just going to be, we're going to kind of coast to victory, but it feels like the Nets ended up feeling possibly much of the same thing. They maybe looked at this score and said, "We're this. We have this game in hand. We can take our foot off the gas, or we can just never make, seemingly never make another shot again from beyond the arc. Whatever it was, a game that felt like it was easily in hand early turned out to be a game that went down to the final couple minutes. And I think if you're with me, these are the frustrating ones. Like these are the ones where you look back and you say, okay, the good news is." The Nets come out with a win. When we get to the end of the year, when we get to games 80, 81, 82, maybe into the playoffs, we're not going to go back and think too hard about this Wizards game. There's a lot of basketball, 72 more games between now and the end of the season. We are clearly not going to be thinking about uh, about like this you know, Washington game in the middle of November. Uh, on a random Sunday. I, I think that's that's pretty clear. Like we have pretty short, you know, memory shelf lives on like sort of what we think about in a game. And and when we get to the end, we'll say this was a win. So great news, right? Like this was these are the ultimately the games, even when they're tough, you have to walk away with a win because like you just can't lose games to the Wizards at home. Point stop. Like there's really no debate there. You cannot if you're a team that feels like the playoffs are in your future, if you're a team that is trying 
to, you know, just be there at the, at the end of the season. They're not even in the play-in, like maybe just in the playoff picture. If you're a team like Adam and I are just desperately trying to get over 37 and a half wins for the season because of where we had them preseason, you, you cannot, absolutely cannot under any circumstances lose to the Washington Wizards at home. The Wizards are trying to lose. I mean, not like, you know, they're not going to come out and say that, but they're fully in the tank, right? Like they have Jordan Poole chucking up shots. They are not really all that interested in winning. Um, if, it, if it happens here and there, sort of in the course of 82 games, so be it. That is not what their goal is. So when you play one of these teams, it just has to be a win. I don't want to put a lot of games in the must-win category because I think that's kind of silly. But for sure, if for so, if somehow they had found a way to not win this game, we would be off a cliff right now. And it came a little too close for comfort when it comes to that scenario. And so, yeah, it ends up being a win. Yes, it ends up, you know, the Nets go to five and five, 500 on the season. Yeah, like we can feel pretty good about it. But when it comes to when it comes to a win, I think this is as close to a, a feeling of like your shoulders are a little slumped down. You know, it's hard to hold your as a fan. It's hard to hold the, your head up super high after this win because it just did feel a little too close. The Nets missed way too many shots. We'll get into that uh, shortly. They just it just didn't seem like anything was working for them. It felt like no matter sort of what they did, they just couldn't they just couldn't score. Again, they put up against I mean, arguably one of the worst defenses in all the league in the Wizards this year in terms of defensive efficiency. I'll look going into this game, the Wizards were yeah, were tied for second worst uh, in the league in opponents or just in in overall defensive efficiency and a team that lets up over the last couple of games, had let up 124 points, 116 points, 146 to the Sixers, 121 to the Heat, 130 to the Hawks, 126 to the Celtics, right? Like this is a team that absolutely lets it up on the defensive end. The Nets struggled to get over 100 points in this game against, and, and barely only kind of scraped by there, sort of just like in late game, you know, clear path foul, you know, kind of stuff, bridges layup or, you know, things that just kind of, barely get them over the hump and so it's hard it's hard to feel great about that yes we're happy with the win yes we move on we have short memories about this stuff yes we are 500 on the season and we just look ahead to the next game and just thank our lucky stars that we're not talking about this game being a loss but man this is as close as close as close as it comes to feeling like a loss for a win just because of all the other context around it. Maybe you feel differently. Maybe you walk away from this one. And you just feel good. You know, you, you got to the final whistle, the final buzzer and you say to yourself, Oh, we did it. You know, this is, this is just the kind of win you're looking for. Doesn't, we don't really care how it happened. As long as it happened, this is a Nets team that's dealt us a lot of heartbreak over the last couple of years. This is a Nets team that's dealing with a bunch of injuries, maybe narrowly avoided one during the game with Lonnie Walker, right? Like maybe that's your overall attitude. But I know when I was watching this one, even when I felt like the game in hand was in hand, I sort of was just saying to myself, oh, thank goodness. Thank goodness, because this would have been we would have been having some real look in the mirror moments for this Nets team if they had somehow up 17 points at one point, up 15 after the first quarter, up 17 after at, at some at one point in the third quarter. Like we would have been having some real like sort of look in the mirror moments for a t if this had been a game that they had lost because of all the things that represented the team that they were playing, the way that it was going down for the nets on the court, it would have just been one. It would have been really, really brutal, but 
ultimately they take home the W. Got to talk about Mikhail Bridges here. Got to talk about Cam Johnson. Got to talk about Spencer Dinwiddie. Got to talk about the shooting and or lack thereof over the course of this game. We're going to talk about all that in a second. Before we get to that, I'm going to tell you about our friends over at Prize Picks. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made very, very easy. Prize Picks has just figured this out. They've brought the most fun way to just enjoy daily fantasy and taken away all the hard and slash frustrating parts you get from some other operators. All you're doing at Prize Picks is you're going more or less on the Prize Picks projections. They put those Prize Picks projections up there for you. You just choose more or less, uh, and away you go. You're putting together five or three, three to five different combinations, and you can pick different stats like for basketball points, uh, points, rebounds, assists, steals, blocks for football. It's the, you know, the ones yards, touchdowns, passing yards, rushing yards, receiving yards, catches. You're just going against prize picks for this. You can win up to 25 times your money. You can put the picks in in 60 seconds or less. You can combine sports. So maybe you like something in basketball. You also like something in the NFL. You just make a little combo play right there. Prize picks allows you to do that. They have a reboot policy. So your entries stay in play. Even if one of your players gets injured, that's for football and basketball games. Believe me, these are absolute lifesavers. If your player leaves a game that can sometimes be just the, the worst worst kind of anti-sweat but prize picks figure this out they're going to get that rebooted it's the only daily fantasy sports platform with insurance policy on injuries just everything across the board with prize picks is working go to prizepicks.com slash locked on nba use the code locked on nba for a first deposit match up to a hundred dollars prizepicks.com slash locked on nba use the code locked on nba for a first deposit match up to $100 daily fan prize picks is daily fantasy sports made easy. All right, Mikhail Bridges. Oh, baby. This was really something from Mikhail. This game, this is another one where it's like, thank goodness they won the game, <laughs> right? Because the conversation would be looking very, very different right now. If especially around me, and it might, by the way, this conversation just me might be what it is, no matter what. Like, we might just be down the road with Mikhail Bridges, no matter what, uh, when it comes to just like the performance here. It would look a million times worse if the Nets had lost this game because after the shooting performance that Bridges put on, um, we are like, again, we already might have questions here. We already might be in you know, sort of worry territory. I've been sort of avoiding this world just because um, I think that, you know, shooting tends to regress. Players tend to end up being what they're going to be over the course of a season. Um, and I think that like sometimes the sample size on shooting is we can just we can just go a little too crazy with uh, short term variance when, when it comes to shooters, especially guys uh, that shoot at high volume. So I, I'll, I'll say all that ahead of time at the same time. After you get to the end of this game, and it was at some points, you know, feeling really, really good. Like early on, Mikhail Bridges is getting into the is getting into the lane. He's getting into the mid range. He's clearly trying to put his stamp on the game. He, you know, is kind of thriving off the drop coverage that they had Daniel Gafford in. That's a really good thing for him because if he can snake a screen and get into the mid range on a on a drop against a guy like Gafford, then he's gonna just find himself a lot of pretty easy looks. And that really was the case for him. Uh, in the mid range early on, and to some degree, like over the course of the game, because he ultimately takes 29 shots, 14 of them are threes. So he goes 11 for 29 from the field, 
but he only goes two for 14 from three. So he goes nine for he, he goes nine for 15 on his regular sort of two point field field goal attempts. And that you will take, right? You'll take nine for 15 shooting from him. But the problem is the high profile nature of the two for 14 from three becomes sort of the talking point here. And you start looking at how the three point shooting has been for him over the last I mean, now it's four, it's four games. I mean, kind of the whole season, uh, but specifically these last four games have, have been a real struggle. So he's only shooting 32, 30.2% uh, from three. No, no, it's actually a little bit lower now. He's shooting under 30% from three on the season. And over the last four games, he's five for 29 from three. And for a team like the Nets that really, really wants to shoot a lot of threes, this is, I mean, clearly a problem. It's a good problem for anybody, right? It's a, it's a problem for no matter who's taking them. If he's going to be your highest volume shooter, then this kind of inefficiency is typically going to be a situation where if you are this inefficient as the guy who's supposed to be the best scorer on a team with, you know, maybe some iffy secondary scoring options without Cam Thomas in the lineup, then usually you're probably staring down the barrel at a loss because you just took so many shots and they just weren't weren't going in. And so, some were close and some were just like kind of bad misses. I thought most of them were pretty good looks, but there were a, a lot that didn't look great when, you know, just even come. Well, they look great kind of coming out of his hand, but they didn't look great in, in terms of like sort of where they landed. Again, a couple in and outs, but some of these were pretty bad misses. This is a rough, rough game for Mikhail Bridges. He was clearly uh, frustrated. Even at halftime, he was the a halftime interview on yes as he went into the locker room he was giving very very short answers basically just how the ball needed to go down i'm not blaming him for this i'm just saying this is usually a pretty happy go lucky guy that we've seen in his time in the nets and there's been kind of clear frustration for him over the last couple games in a few different ways that we really haven't seen before from him and i wonder if there's sort of things are coming to a head for him in terms of like how he's feeling about his own play. You got the technical last game. He was in the right to get the technical, but this is like those kind of outbursts are not things that we've seen from him, you know, at all in his time in Brooklyn, right? At, like this has just not been the kind of guy he is. He's not a complainer, by the way, I'm not even lobbying it. These aren't complaints against bridges. I'm just pointing out the facts of like sort of what's happened for him over the last uh over the last few games that was the tech was two games ago not 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 against boston sorry uh and then obviously you know they get they get kind of killed by boston um and he was not great in that game four for 11 from the field one for six from three and so sorry the, the tech was of the game against the clippers so he's had those rough shooting games comes into this one where it's like hey we have a bad defensive matchup excuse me well, good, good for the nets a bad team on defense that they're playing he it looks like he's going to get a lot of high volume shots. There's no Cam Thomas. They clearly need his scoring, right? Like he's going to be in advantageous matchups pretty much the whole game. So let's get the volume shooting to get up there for kind of like nothing from beyond the arc to go down. It's I'm still not putting it in the terrified, concerned, terrifyingly concerned category yet. But what we haven't seen from Bridges so far this season is sort of like the the leap that many were expecting. Now, look, growth is nonlinear when it comes to basketball. Uh, these are, you know, it's not just like this graph that just always points up until some point time it points down. Like it's a graph that for certain players will, you know, go up over time, but there's going to be starts and stops along the way. There's going to be sort of peaks and valleys along that graph. 
coming out of last season, you know, clearly the idea was that Bridges was going to continue to grow on the massive strides that we saw him take uh, at the end of the last season after coming home from Phoenix. That has not happened to start the season through 10 games. Uh, like it just, it just hasn't like, there's nothing that there's no case to be made that it has. Now, again, some of this is probably a, is a you know confluence of factors that I'm sure Adam and I can, can talk about as over the course of this week. And, you know, over the course of just as time goes on with this, that we know that the usage is down some because Cam Thomas's usage has gone up and that makes sense. Like the usage came back up here with no, no Thomas in the game. It didn't necessarily come back against the Celtics, but like this, these are the kind of games where the usage does come back. The shooting has been well below his career averages from both from just overall field goal attempts and specifically three. I mentioned he's shooting under 30%. He's a 37% career three-point shooter. He's taking fewer, he's getting to the line much uh, fewer, many fewer times this season. He was got to the line uh, over six and a half times when he was uh, in his time with Brooklyn at the end of last year. He's getting to the line less than four attempts per game this year. So there are clear changes um, for him <laughs> this season. And what we can really agree on is at least through the first 10 games that the projected sort of leap into that next tier of, you know, maybe a rung below the superstars kind of area for uh, Mikhail Bridges. Not to say that it won't happen, but it has not happened this season. And this game in many ways sort of exemplified or, you know, showed some of the things that, that the reason that there's concern, specifically the three-point shot. Again, three-point shooting can be lumpy. It can be, it can, you can, there are streaks involved with this stuff. You can turn your two good games at times can sort of, this early in the season can turn around a lot of your numbers. I am not ready to just jump off the Mikhail Bridges, you know, sort of bandwagon here because of the early season struggles when it comes to the efficiency. And I don't think anyone else out there should either. It's just, it's just still simply too early, but I would understand why we would maybe need to pump the brakes a little bit on projecting like sort of like the, that overall leap or be worried that like there's been, you know, some solving of him as a player from the time that he took over. Like everyone, you know, what we saw in Brooklyn from Mikhail Bridges, no one had really seen before for any extended period of time. Right. Like that was generally even for him, a pretty new player. And now that everyone's seen the tape, you know, they've seen FIBA and they kind of know what to expect with Bridges going into the season. There could be a situation that we're looking at where it's like there's a little bit of a figuring out process here. And that can happen too. look, you get a, you get tape on players, you get an offseason to kind of plan for it. You get scouting departments involved and they can start to see the things uh, that maybe you can try to start taking away from him or what ways to make his life hard. But overall, you came out of this one thinking to yourself, oh, man, if you were worried about Mikhail Bridges, you know, and just the way that this season was going for him, this game did absolutely nothing <laughs> to really help you along. That. And then, by the way, he scored 27 points at 13 rebounds. So it's not even like the counting stats here were all too terribly bad. It's just like we saw all these three point misses and you just it's just really, really tough to feel good about the situation again, one or two games coming back here and we maybe start to tell ourselves a different story, but no doubt about it for Mikhail Bridges. This was a real struggle from beyond the arc. And it was clear that he was feeling the struggle as well. If you were watching the game, you could just see that this was a guy that did not like <laughs> what was happening 
in terms of the ball not going down. These guys are more aware of it than anybody, um, you know, including the fans, obviously, and Bridges from just the body language and even like what he said at halftime. He's clearly aware that uh, this season has not started out probably the way that he wanted to. We've got a couple more things to talk about with just the shooting and the team in general. Spencer Dinwiddie, Cam Thomas, uh, narrow miss on the injury for Lonnie Walker as well. We'll get into that here in a second. Before we get to that, I'll tell you about our friends over at Jace Medical. We spent a lot of time talking together, you and I. We get fired up together on wins. We get fired up together on losses as well. Who starts, who sits. Thankful for that connection we have today. How about check it a little more personal? Whether you're on extended travel, racing for a major weather event, or limited by yet another supply shortage, you're covered, my friend. Thanks to our partners at Jace Medical, life-saving antibiotics, and a long list of daily medications can be ordered in a one-year supply. They even have ED generics for Cialis, Viagra, Revatio prescriptions, all of that. You can go online right now at Jace Medical to receive a 12-month supply on those daily medications. Remember, you got to use the promo code Locked On uh, at checkout for uh, that discount. Look, the medication stuff out there, folks, they have this figured out. Don't be unprepared. Uh, you, you'll be thankful for this service. If you or someone you love to like, give some peace of mind by having your supply of any daily medication, go to daily, go to jacemedical.com to see if it's offered for you. Remember to use that promo code locked on for $20 off of your purchase. Go to jacemedical.com. Use the promo code locked on for $20 off your purchase. All right, let's close this thing out. Obviously, Mikhail Bridges wasn't the only one who struggled here. Uh, the Nets had all kinds of shooting issues uh, in the win over the Wizards with Cam Johnson, Spencer Dinwiddie, uh, the, the, really the whole entire starting lineup. So Cam Johnson goes two for 11 from three. Spencer Dinwiddie goes 0 for five. Johnson went five for 16 from the field. Dinwiddie went three for 10. Really, if you combined the shooting numbers outside of like the two pointers that Mikhail made, and thank goodness he made them. Um, the shooting numbers for the starting lineup here were just such a real problem. I mean, the real story that we didn't even get into is basically uh, the, the shooting was so bad for the Nets that they really won on the margins in two other areas. One, they completely crushed the Wizards on the board, 66 to 42, thanks to you know a few friends in that category. Very nice to have Nick Claxton back, 13 boards. De'Ron Sharp comes off the bench, 19 minutes, grabs 12 boards. But, you know, and I hate to just harp on the negative here, and hopefully these are like one-game blips, but we have just seen this these sort of be struggles with the shooting up until now from some of these key guys. Now, look, the Nets on the season going, went into this game second overall in three-point shooting, so I'm not like so worried about it, but over, over the long term. But we have to talk about it, right? Like Cam Johnson, he's he – Obviously, he was out for injury for a while. He comes back. He goes four for 13 in the first game, five for 16 in the second game. He's five for 17 from three uh, over the first game. Let's just say this is going to turn it around just because, like, you know, the season's relatively new for him. And we can't really, you know, probably shine a light on him in the same way that we talk about some of these other guys simply because he just hasn't been on the court at the, at the same rate. With Dinwiddie, I think, you know, the concerns with Dinwiddie are that. For, for to a lot of a degree, things have really opened up for him in a way that you think the production would be sort of starting to come back to some of last year's numbers. Remember when he got over to the Nets last season in the second half of the year after the trade from from Dallas, we saw the assist skyrocket, right up to nine point one assists. The three point shooting was down, but you know the ball distribution was okay. The scoring was up to sixteen and a half points a game. Oh. And so you're like, okay, well, Ben Simmons comes into the fold. Cam Thomas comes into the fold. 
you know, we're going to see some of those numbers obviously decline a little bit because his role on the team is going to change some. But the problem here is that like those two guys that I just mentioned are not in the mix right now. So you're saying to yourself, okay, well, the minutes are and, and the production are just going to kind of climb back up to where they were because this is essentially the team that he was playing with last year at the end of the year, except that that's just like not happening. 20 minutes against Boston, four assists. Uh, 26 minutes against the Clippers where I was wondering if they were limiting his minutes uh, just because it was like a close game and he didn't come back in until really late in the fourth quarter. He only plays 26, only played 24 again in Milwaukee uh, in a close game. And then this game gets in there and, and ends up playing 31. And it does beg the question about, A, whether they're limiting their, his minutes, whether he's maybe still a little bit injured, or whether or not the coaching staff is just maybe losing a little trust in sort of what Dinwiddie is providing because these minutes are just, just not at all, at all what you would expect to have him have played knowing that Ben Simmons is out of the lineup, knowing that Cam Thomas is out of the lineup. and it just doesn't like doesn't like totally track for me about why this is happening. So I'm not really sure like what the full story is. I thought leading into this game that there might be a minutes limiting that it just wasn't it's just sort of reported just because, you know, so that you don't always have to report that stuff. It's not you're not you're not like Garrett, you're not just you don't have to go out and do it. But and he did play a few more in this one. So I guess that's good news. It, but it wasn't like the production ticked up either. They're in at the end of the first half, an insane stat besides just the shooting struggles that these guys are having. At the end of the first half, the net starters had one assist, one assist in this game going into halftime out of the starters. That's like an insane, insane number. They finished with seven assists. No, sorry. Uh, they finished with nine assists overall. Um, no, sorry, eight. Jeez, I can't even count. They finished with the starting lineup, finished with eight assists. The bench came in, uh, and they, you know, grabbed a couple as well. The team finished with 22. But like, you would just think these, these are just numbers that don't track. Now, some of that's correlated, right? Like, they're not going to get the assists when the shots don't go in. If you're, if two of these guys in the lineup are Cam Johnson and Mikhail Bridge are going to shoot two for 25, one has to assume that's like, you know, five or six assists right there. So maybe you just tell yourself that story. And maybe that is the whole story. And maybe that's just not even us sort of wish casting uh, numbers onto Dinwiddie, but that's just the reality that, you know, the, his three assists should, should in reality look much more like six, seven, eight. If some of these other pretty easy threes that they had for a lot of the game just end up going down. And, and frankly, maybe that just is it as I talk it out. But when you combine these two things together, you just do end up getting kind of rough numbers across the board for all these guys. And it's not like, we've seen these crazy great assist numbers from Dinwiddie before this. I mean, seven against uh, the Clippers. Oh, no, sorry. That, that was Mikhail Bridges. Like, so, you know, the, like I said, the minutes were, were down overall. The number, the assist numbers for him just haven't really been there. And I just, I don't know. I'm, there's probably a little bit of room for concern for Dinwiddie's performances here too, because this is multiple games now where we're just not getting some of the statistical um, some of the expectation out of him based on guys like Cam Thomas and Ben Simmons being out of the lineup. But frankly, they kind of need it. Like they, they need him to go back to being some of that guy that he was over the course of the second half of the season or the final third of the season when he was with Brooklyn, where he was among the league leaders and assists. They kind of do need that dude right now. And hey, maybe some of these shots go down and the Nets run away with this thing early and they win by 20. If these guys just shoot anywhere close to their career averages and we're not talking about any of this and we're like, Hey, didn't you know, had a double double or something like that. It didn't happen. Maybe we can go do a one for one. Cause we kind of see it just kind of see the way it worked out. But overall, 
yeah, this this stuff has kind of coalesced to be feeling a little bit problematic as we move forward. So overall, a W is a W. This is not usually the kind of tone you would get from a win for the Nets, but sometimes that's just the way it goes when it comes to <laughs> the way a team wins and the overall opponent. Uh, I said we we're going to get to Lonnie Walker. We'll just get to that. We'll get to that tomorrow. Adam and I will talk about sort of the breath, breathing out of sigh of relief that Lonnie Walker's knee injury that he appeared to suffer in the first half didn't end up lingering. He was able to come back and play. We'll get a little bit more into the Bridges stuff, the Cam Johnson stuff, what the expectations are for this team going forward. But overall, hey, look, Nets five and five. That's where we wanted to be after 10 games. I think if you said to if you put it out there after 10 games, five and five, I kind of had it like three and seven, four and six, right? This few other people on the bullish side had it like six and four. I think five and five, most fans are going to feel pretty good about that one. All right, going to get out of here. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to the podcast. Make sure you subscribe over on YouTube as well. Adam is the one that's always coming in with the uh, quotes from the great American poets. I'll just say Adam Armbrecht. We'll be back tomorrow. It's one of the great American poets. We'll be back again tomorrow talking more Brooklyn Nets basketball.